Tonight, we discuss the Salem Witch Trials. I hope you don't have any moles or a speech impediment, and that you can hold your breath for a long time. On Newsworthy, two words and two question marks. scoured the podcast world and finally found us newsworthy with steve and jerry where we delve into all things mysterious macabre or out of this world and decide if they are truly newsworthy two words and two question marks why should you work with ed Locke? A better question is, why wouldn't you work with him? He is proud to support an amazing lender, USA Mortgage. When you work with them, you can expect a home financing experience that is free of hassles and headaches. They have complete control over your loan due to in-house operations such as processing, underwriting, closing, and funding. USA Mortgage represents a lot of fantastic things but they are especially thrilled to partner in several community outreach programs, including Habitat for Humanity, Home Sweet Home, Veterans Community Project, and many, many more. They love going to work every day, which means they love working for you. Ed wants to be your lender for life, so reach out to him today and get the journey started. If you would like more information, please reach out to Edlock at area code 502 NMLS 448-908, USA Mortgage NMLS 227-262. USA Mortgage is an equal housing lender. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions may apply. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Steve. Guess what we did? What did we do? We got... Brett, his yes, own microphone this week. That we did. How about that, Brett? Joining the big leagues. Yeah. Person. And I'm going to go ahead and double his salary. That's right. Why stop there? Let's triple it. Triple it? Why not? Probably get that very Corvette I've been eyeing. Yeah. Huh? Probably get that Corvette I've been eyeing. Well, I don't know about all that. It has Matchbox written on the top. <laughs> <laughs> it might work. <laughs> that might do it. I don't know. We are willing to give you a large percentage of our net proceeds. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's still very close to zero. So. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. You know, I'll, here's the thing. What's that? And you're talking about money, and we have an amazing sponsor, mm, USA Mortgage. Um, very thankful for him. Very, very thankful. But I've listened to hundreds of podcasts. Okay. And what I don't understand is, so me and you have always joked that if we get a HelloFresh commercial, we know we've made it, right? Because <laughs> they're on everything. A HelloFresh or like a, a slots machine app. Uh, right. Ad. Another one that I, I think is funny is the Manscaped. Yes. <laughs> if, we could, if we could shave our, our <laughs> nether regions and talk about it and get, you know, those ads, we know we've made it. Absolutely. But I've seen episodes 
like or not episodes, but but podcasts where they have like thirteen total episodes over three years, and they have these ads. Well, the majority of those are probably using uh, their podcast sponsor and letting them input whatever ads they want. Oh, yeah, it's my guess. You still get a percentage of that. Though. You do, you do. So but are like, they celebrities? Like were they already well known? I mean, it's a lazy. I used to have a T-shirt back when you and Josh played baseball, Brett, that said, talent or hard work will always beat talent when talent refuses to work hard. And we're working our asses off. We need some of that. We need some of that revenue. I'm just saying. Just saying. You know, in fact, in doing research for this very episode, I learned something that I didn't know. What was that? I learned who actually built the round table for King Arthur. Oh, man. I don't know that. Yeah. His name was Circumference. (laughs) Circumference. (laughs) Hey, at least he was knighted, right? (laughs) He had been knighted. (laughs) Mr. Comforts became Circumference. Oh. Yeah. That was bad. That was a perfect dad joke. (laughs) Time Girls Week. That's good. Week was good. Week was real good. Well, hey. yours was. Mine wasn't so much. Why? I lost my job. Messing masseuse. Really? Yeah, I did. $12? Apparently, I rubbed some people the wrong way. <laughs> oh, my God. I almost used that one today. I almost used it. I'm glad I didn't pick that one. <laughs> I'm glad you did, too, because I would have been without a dad joke. Oh, man. Kudos. Finally, I don't have to say the words, Jerry. <laughs> That was not one of the better ones, but I'm glad you liked it. You know, before the podcast, we were discussing, you know, how AI and spell check have basically negatively affected our ability to spell. So it got me to thinking, how do you spell butt cheeks? Is it one word? Or do you, sp- or do you spread them apart? It's <laughs> not exactly how I heard that. <laughs> well, I heard it. Is it one word or do you spread that sh apart? <laughs> Well, well, this is uh, kid-friendly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, definitely you spread that apart. I'm just saying. Hey, real spread quick, before apart. we get into the podcast in earnest, we got a cool topic tonight, too, by the way, recommended by Sir Brett. Um, we're going to be talking about... He's also knighted. Are you? Maybe. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to say no. She calls him, sir. Please. <laughs> Woo! I'm pretty sure I've heard Truly say that. You can take them to school. You can buy them the books, but they don't necessarily have to learn. I'm just saying. (laughs) Listen, I wanted to talk about, just for a second, my cousin, I saw him over the weekend. He has one very successful podcast and just started a new one. I wanted to bring that up on the ad. We're going to link to it at the end of this episode. It's the 12-ounce Curl Root, or Route, I guess, Curl Route podcast all about football all about sports um check that out it's available on spotify it's available anywhere wanted to make sure that aaron got a proper what's the name of it again it's the 12 ounce curl route 12 ounce curl yeah podcast you almost called it root why because i haven't played football in 30 years that's why (laughs) that's a northern word root it's not route it's root oh okay when i first moved to fredericksburg i remember found that out real quick Oh. Route 1 and Route 3 are the two main roads in the town and calling it route. And people are like, where are you from? <laughs> well, definitely check that out. Spotify, the 12-ounce Curl Route podcast. From a Woo-hoo! good guy, Mr. Aaron. Yeah, he's a good guy. Plays, he, he's 
He's a Bears fan. Don't knock him no. for that. Um, you I actually, were a Bears fan for many years. Yeah, he kind of learned that from me back in the okay. day because okay. he's a lot younger than me. And then, uh, but he knows he's in. He is a Bears. Fan. He knows in yep. scouts. He's very knowledgeable. Oh, he's wow. taking it to a new level. That's awesome. And I'm very proud of what he's been able to accomplish in his career and what he does on the side. And that's just fantastic stuff. So check I don't know him, him personally, but he is in our fantasy football league. Yep. And he's always one of the top. Couple guys, absolutely. No, he's very good at it. Absolutely. Always dread playing him, and I'm playing him this week. Oh, you always dread playing me too, because I'm massive. <laughs> Have I ever lost you? Yeah, like, ever. Yeah, like ever. <laughs> like all the time. I have more championships oh, really? than you. No, we're tied. No, no, two apiece. Uh, I have more than you. <laughs> According to who? A it's legend what, in your own mind. It's what they say. Not if they know what they're talking about. (laughs) So, Brett, this was your topic. This is what you wanted to talk about. It's November 1st today. And you wanted to talk about the Salem Witch Trials. Right, yeah. I thought it'd be uh, interesting because I've heard about it and I've seen it in movies. But after researching it, I realized how little I knew about it. So, just let me ask you a question before we start. We, a couple of weeks ago, did Voodoo, and we were stoked about how exciting Voodoo was going to be, and we very rapidly realized that it was a, it was a no-fly zone. It was terrible. You got more for us than that? I, I honestly think we could break this topic into multiple episodes. Okay, there's, cool. I think there's a lot to it that you can dive into. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's dive headlong. All right. Yeah, I'll go ahead and get started. How was that for Kentucky slang? (laughs) Do it. Headlong. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, the same witch trials, they took place between February of 1692 to May of 1693. So a little over a year. Over 200 people were accused throughout that time. 30 people were found guilty. 19 people were executed by hanging. 14 of those were women. Five were men. One man was killed during torture, and then at least five people died while in jail. So, the Salem Witch Trials remains the deadliest witch hunt in the history of North America. So, it's, um, it's been a big deal, and as you'll find out, it's impacted a lot of the things that we have come to uh, take for granted here in America. So, just some background. New England had been settled by religious dissenters, uh, mainly Puritans, seeking to escape from the Catholic and Anglican Church to build a more Bible-based society. Uh, the Puritans that settled around Salem believed in predestination. So while everyone was required to go to church to be a member, you had to give testimony as to how you were chosen by God. So wait a minute. Just let me get this clear for my head. They moved here for religious freedom. Right. To shut down their religion. Yes. <laughs> Did you catch the point part, to me? Did you catch the part about predestination? Yeah. Yes. You know what that means? Yes. They believe you were predestined for heaven or hell. Right. And there was nothing you could do to change it. And so that's why they made it a Everybody had to go to church, but they made it a caveat. To be a member, you had to prove that you were one of the chosen, that you were that you were destined for heaven. I, I just found that come into remarkable. Play later. Yeah. I just, you know, hey, we're we're going to a whole new world to start a new, you know, to be religiously free. And you get here and you completely close off your religion. Anyhow. 
Sorry. So, uh, just some more background. In 1689, the governor of the Dominion of New England, which was Sir Edmund Andros at the time, was ousted after a revolution took place in England that replaced uh, the current Catholic King James II with his Protestant daughter, Queen Mary II. So this left an interim governor to govern the area. However, he lacked the constitutional authority since the old charter had been vacated. And the new governor that they had implemented had not yet arrived. So this led to a new charter that included a commission of special court of Boyer and Terminer, which basically translates to hear and determine. So basically this gave the the local counties to kind of govern themselves. Um, so in 1672, Salem had voted to hire their own minister uh, due to disputes over property lines to surrounding counties and, uh, and also disputes over church privileges. So they went through three, uh, three ministers who all were unordained from 1673 to 1688 until hiring their first ordained minister, Samuel Paris, in 1689, paying him 66 pounds annually. So I have a question, and, and this is, and I'm not making jokes. So the Salem witch trials are all based out of one small community, one one church no, community? Not one church, I don't think. Yeah, it, it, I think it's just that. One town. One area. Oh, yeah, just the, one the town. The village of okay. Salem. Okay, I'm just curious. Sorry to interrupt. It wasn't the only witch trials. It was the largest and by far right, most right. famous. Right, right, just in that area. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. okay, okay. Um, so they eventually voted to raise his benefits. This is Samuel Paris, uh, four months after being a minister, to include him being deeded the parsonage along with two acres. Um, this, however, conflicted with the 1681 village resolution, which made it unlawful to convey the houses or lands belonging to the ministry for any cause. So basically, they had given him, they had promised him this house and this land, um, but according to their um, Village laws. It was it was considered unlawful, which caused a lot of um, uh, further problems. Right. Yeah. It, a lot of disagreements within the within the town. So, um, yeah, he he led to increased division within the village due to his radical beliefs. So he was very um, he was very radical in the way that he governed the church. So he would make church members suffer public penance for very small infractions. Uh, he would just try and seek out bad behavior to make examples of people. So he was, uh, he was a very polarizing figure in the town. Um, so it's also important to note, uh, just as a little bit more background before we get into the witch trials themselves, um, a book had recently written, been written uh, by a, a guy named Joseph Glanville and was published uh, called Against Modern uh, Sadduceum. And in the book, Glanville made the claim that those who denied the supernatural, demons, spirits, etc., were heretics. And this book was uh, believed to be in the library of this uh, Samuel Paris. And again, I, I don't know if I said this, but this book was written in 1668, so right before uh, these events occurred. It's also important to note that the witchcraft had been uh, publicized recently by a minister of a church in Boston, so very close to Salem, where he published pamphlets, pamphlets describing observations made of supposed witch activity in Boston, uh, which included neck, back pain, tongues drawn from the throat, loud random outcries, no control over bodies, acting like animals, and trying to harm themselves or others. Um, 
And these events, or these symptoms kind of led to the start of the witch trials in 1692. So, how long after the main the main swath of smallpox did this happen? This is like right sure. after, I think smallpox was what, 1689, maybe? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. So, weird. No, no, yeah. Sorry, just... It just sounds if that's like the there's case, a, it would be really close. It just sounds like there's a whole lot of weird crap going on from their perspective now. And I so, guess some more background building on that is, you know, they were in a new area. They had kind of uh, gone off to to have their you know religious freedom, and because of that, they had you know the threats of Native Americans, um, you know, coming in, and um, they had you know they they were very poor, so you know. Dying, they were scared of dying disease, and um, it sounds like this this pastor, this this preacher, had a lot of power. Most pastors at that day and time did, and that's crazy because what's the old saying? Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So this looks like where we're going with this. Well, even, you know what it reminded me of when he was reading it? What? Part of the uh, oh crap! What is that HBO series? Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Remembering there when those the religious people took over? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what this was reminded me. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great analogy. analogy. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly what that reminded shame. me. Shame. Yeah. Shame. 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 <laughs> One of my favorite parts of the show, by the way. Lead uh, Henley is just, ah. Sorry. Where she yeah. walks. Yeah. Down the. Yeah. Sorry. I, I can see why it's your favorite part. <laughs> uh, maybe I could. Jerry's going to cover part of this one. Maybe that's where I missed out on. Jerry's going to cover what? Part well, part of what? Yeah. Go ahead. You're going to uncover parts of, of things. What is it you're referring to? I, I'm not for sure. Go ahead. Please explain. Anyway, back to you, Brett. All right. So, so uh, this, uh, just one more background piece before we kind of get into it. So which, which trials and executions had occurred uh, in a lot of Europe and in, uh, in the New England area since the earliest recording execution, which was in 1647 in Hartford, Connecticut. So <clears throat> which trials had been kind of a thing in that area and in, in Europe. So this wasn't the first witch trial, but it's very significant because of all the, the people who were, uh, who were executed because of it. Why do you think? Why do you think that this one garnered? I mean, there, there's some pretty, pretty, pretty good group of our cast of characters here. But why do you think Salem takes the brunt of that? Like Jerry had said earlier, Connecticut had witch trials, um, New Hampshire, all of these right. places where freedoms were being religious freedom, and I am using air quotes, is being displayed. They always have to pick on a victim to say that's the baddie, right? So why do you think the Salem ones? I I think it's, it was their freedom to govern themselves. Gotcha. And they, it Lord of the Flies type. As you'll kind of see with the progression of how things, how these events unfolded, you'll kind of see it just it just got completely out of control, um, and it didn't they didn't really gain control of the situation until a governing power came in, an outside governing power came in and kind of took gotcha. over. Well, far be it for me to stop you. Keep going. Yeah. So. February of 1692, a girl named Betty Paris, which was the daughter of Samuel Paris, the, the, the minister at the time, she was, she was nine, and her cousin, Abigail Williams, which was, who, which was 11, um, and was the niece of Reverend Paris, 
began to have fits such as screaming and throwing things, making strange sounds, crawling under furniture, contorting themselves into peculiar positions, and the girls would complain of being pinched and pricked, but doctor, a doctor would come in, found no evidence of physical ailment, and then they would also interrupt church services with loud outbursts. So one thing that I noticed in, in this research was they had uh, cited a bunch of different sources of people who, you know, other ministers and doctors who had come in to evaluate the girls, and almost all of them seemed to think it was unexplainable. It was some sort of supernatural power, some sort of bewitching that had occurred. At 1692, we're still using leeches. Right. It, it, yeah. <laughs> if you, it's if, not like the medical <laughs> field was, was super advanced then. Yeah. You know, we're going to bleed you out if you get a blood disease. Yeah. And did you not say that the one girl lived with one of the doctors? No, I, I did not see that. Okay. But, but Elizabeth Hubbard, I think, she had become an orphan when she was young, and she lived with um, her uncle who had taken her in, who was one of the doctors at the time, which could certainly, she was one of the original accusers. Right. She was one of them that began having some of these issues. Yeah, so so these original two, which was the daughter and niece of, of uh, the minister at the time, uh, they had initially accused uh, this slave uh, from Barbados, which was owned by Samuel Paris. Her name was uh, Tachuba, and she was initially accused by Paris and Williams uh, to harming them, but was not charged since they were not of the age to testify in court. But um, it's said that Paris severely beat Tituba after this, and um, so that kind of leads into the next uh, set of, of names who started having similar symptoms was Ann Putnin, Putnin Jr., who was 12, and then Elizabeth Hubbard, who you just mentioned, who was 17. They started having similar symptoms and accused three women of bewitching all four of the girls. So these were the first uh, to name multiple women uh, bewitching them. So all were considered to be social outcasts and exhibited character traits typical of a witch at the time. So the first, uh, the first one I was going to talk about, her name was Sarah Good. So she was very poor at the time. Um, she, her father was very wealthy, but she did not inherit any money. So she ended up marrying one of the indentured servants that her father owned uh, after he had worked his um, worked his amount of time that he was that he that he that he owed. Um, and those that accused accused her thought that she had just been jealous, which is why she would have bewitched the kids. Her husband actually also ended up testifying against her, saying that she was a witch. The second was a girl named Sarah Osborne. She was neighbors with the Putnins, uh, with the two Putnams, uh, who was one of the girls uh, who was accused. Her first husband died in 1674, and she ended up marrying one of the indentured servants, again, another indentured servant, who had been freed. Uh, she rarely attended church meetings and defied her husband's will, which left all of the land to their two sons, and instead she took over the property herself. Um, so the uh, so Anne Putnam, her father, was actually involved in the legal proceedings following that um, due to him being the executor of her husband's will. And then the last one, as I already mentioned, was Tituba, who was a slave from Barbados, um, it's theorized that she had maybe told the girls stories of 
I'm going to say this knowing that we just talked about this voodoo and witchcraft. Um, so I'm not sure how much of, of it was actual voodoo, but uh, after listening well, to the last, the last podcast, but according uh, from our episode, yeah. none of it. <laughs> uh, and then she also confessed to making a witch cake for Elizabeth Paris, which comes to find out um, a neighbor actually asked her to make the witch cake for them while um, Reverend Paris and his wife were out on the, uh, they were out of town. Um, and then she also confessed to speaking with the devil, stating that she was ordered by the devil to worship him and hurt the children in the village. And she later confessed to learning about occult te- techniques from her mistress back in Barbados. I want to interject one thing, and I, I'm just going to say this. Yeah. There was an, an extreme amount of pressure brought to many of these people to get them to admit to their crimes. 100%. And to the point that some people were killed during the torture, whether it was placing huge rocks on them until they admitted it. There was extreme waterboarding going on. Furthermore, if they did admit to the crime of being a witch, what was their punishment? They were reintegrated into society. Right. But if you denied it and were found guilty, what was the punishment? Yeah, there's death. death. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Whole lot of reason to admit to crap that might not have been true, even if it wasn't true. No, it's a good point. Just going to say that. Well, as someone who has had very close ties with people with mental illness, it sounds like a lot of the no. issues that the women were enduring that that who the the accused yeah, or the accusers the accused that they were going through was no. what do you mean it just wasn't the evidence doesn't point to that the evidence doesn't point to them having mm. a mental illness most of them not before that they were accused and began to be traumatized and tortured no Probably some mental illness well, after they got through with the criminal process. But he just said but they, they were originally, it was even brought up originally because of uh, screams and no, I'm making not saying, noises. You're talking about the, the, the girls. That's yeah, the victims. The, the That's what I'm victims. talking about. There were victims who were suddenly Hello, beginning to have fits and claimed that they knew who had cast spells on them. Right. A, right. a lot of it sounds more like voodoo than it does witchcraft. When it comes to casting spells and all that. It sounds like mental illness. Could be. I mean. But if it was really mental affected. illness, why were they believed in court and people sentenced to death as a result of their testimony? Because no one had a clue what mental illness was in 1692. Well, they knew what crazy was. Well, no. It, it I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that There was at all. crazy people since the beginning of time. Right. They've known what crazy people were for a long time. But if you are a crazy, if you are a person who suffers from bipolarism, as an example, I'm not saying they understood the intricacies of a lot of it. That's what I'm getting at. Schizophrenia, so bipolar. If, if bi- I'm bi- if I'm suffering from that, and I have no idea what that is, and Joni over there took my man, why not blame it on her? There's more to it than that. Well, I'm maybe, not that there's not. but here's the point. Some of these women, one of the tests that was used was one of the accused women, uh, if she was happened to go into Fitz seizures at the trial. Grandma seizure, would what would that bring, look like? They would bring the accused person over and force the accused person to touch the person having the fits. If they stopped immediately, that was a proof that the accused was a witch. Right. The evil spirits. Now, that's not mental illness. 
This well, person who's lying there having ailment. a fit. If well, wait a minute, you just said that it sounded like a lot of it was mental if, illness. If, a person if the person was lying there having a fit, and that was mental illness, they're not no, going to stop because someone touched them. He never lets me. Well, well, one thing I think points to not if not being some sort of mental. It happened to four girls at around the same time. Right? It happened to way more than four, and and they were they seemed to be in a normal conditions beforehand. I'm just saying, first of all, seizures can come onto a human being at any time during their life. Sure. If a person in 1692 had a grandma seizure during this, that looks very much like a fit. But you wouldn't expect it to happen to multiple girls. No, I'm not saying that. But unless there was an environmental issue. And there's what is is it? Uh, where's the place where all the rich people go? Out on uh, Hilton Head. Okay. No, 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 not You're Hilton talking about Head. North. Uh, Camp uh, the the what is that place? What's a little island? It's not. Obama just had his butler or his cook die there. What was it? What was the name of that place? These dogs. They'll come to me in a minute. But know. anyway, it's up north. That place up there has long had a history of people who live on the island to go blind. Because of some sort of environmental thing. That's all I'm saying. And I'm saying in in 1692, those types of mental and or physical ailments, a doctor would have, who who basically can give you some, what, alcohol and make you feel better? Yeah. Well, I I think, Jerry, I don't know if you saw anything in your research, but one thing that I, it seemed every source that I was looking at, Despite whatever their opinion was of the witch trials, they they had no explanation as to why the girls were acting in these fits. You know, some believe it might have been faked. You know, some don't really know for sure. Some think it might have been some sort of other disease that they just hadn't um, discovered yet. Um, that might have been contagious. Not necessarily a mental disease, but uh, so anyways. So this was all this was all in that first month. Um, so in March, uh, others began to be accused of witchcraft. Two of the women who were accused were full members of the church, which is kind of why I talked about that at the beginning. So um, this, those women who were members of the church, the fact that they were members led people of Salem to consider that anyone could be a witch. So it, it really caused a lot of fear in the, in the village. Um, and both of those women... Had, expre- had expressed skepticism of the credibility of the girls' accusations. So they had spoken out against, you know, the things that were occurring, and at right, almost right after that, they were accused of being a witch. So the youngest of the accused uh, throughout this whole process was a girl named Dorothy Good, who was the daughter of Sarah Good, who was also accused of being a witch. And how old was Dorothy? She was four years old. So four years old and accused of being a witch. I have an almost four-year-old. She'll be four next week. And just knowing that, it's kind of crazy to think that they could accuse a four-year-old girl of, of doing something. Is that like all this. that they did? Did they just accuse her? Or was there was she punished? Surely they didn't punish a four-year-old. Yeah, she was put in jail. Oh, really? Yeah. For how long? I to, th- to that I'm not sure. I'm, I'm at least a, I mean at least a year until the until the trials were. And if I remember correctly, her mom was in jail with her. Is that correct? Yeah. And her mom was pregnant when she went, and her right. Dorothy, four-year-old child, watch her mother give birth, yep. watch her sister die. Yep. 
And when Dorothy was finally released at the age of five, she was declared mentally insane. No kidding. Go figure. Who wouldn't be insane after being imprisoned at the age of four for being a witch? Right. By the way, she also admitted to several things. Like a four-year-old has a capability to withstand pressure after being tortured and saying, did you have a snake? Didn't you have a snake that bit you? Yeah, she testified in court that she had a snake that bit her and sucked blood from her. Yeah. A four-year-old. Right. Yeah, and it just keeps getting more out of hand after this. So do you want to talk about some of the examinations that they were doing? Sure. Not really. I will. I hate to. It's depressing. (laughs) Right. It's absolutely sad and disgusting. Some of the... Go ahead. I was just... I would like to know, you know, as... Even in 16, I've argued several times already about how these people just didn't know, right? Didn't you know, know they, they, they didn't know if there was a mental issue. They didn't know if there was a physical or an environmental thing. Well, I mean, think but, about it. Like you said, a lot of the things we're talking about had never even been discussed exactly, at that exactly. time. Exactly. So I've been kind of defending them on that point. Yeah. But when you start talking about a four-year-old. Yeah. Who's barely putting together cohesive sentences. Right. And maybe not even doing a good job of that. And that's our four-year-olds today that can yeah. do all this amazing stuff. That have grown up watching TV. Right. And tons of resources they didn't have back right. then. Yeah. So how would you, as a human male, because this is predominantly males, look at a four-year-old kid and be like, well, that's a witch. You, I mean... Am I wrong to think that witchcraft involves spells and spell casting? And no, I don't think you're wrong. So, yeah. how would they even? I just I'm like you. It makes me very sad and very angry that they could look at a four year old and say, "Oh, that's a witch." Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. What would you, you start to say? I thought you well, were I was saying because you were talking about uh, you know most of the accusers were women. Wow. So I mean the the. The people, you know, conducting the trials were men, but a lot of the accusers were women. I had always figured it was men. Yeah. I'd never heard, but I always figured it was men. We'll go into it. One of the tests, I'll just lead off of that. Tell us about the test. Most people have heard the phrase, the saying, cold as a witch's tit. Uh, That was one of the tests used. They would disrobe a woman to the waist. They would examine her breast. Um... Let me find it here in my list. Goose has decided to join the party. For those that don't know, Goose is my one-eyed broken cat. <laughs> if you've ever heard the expression, cold as a witch's tit, now you know the origins. It corresponds to any type of mole or unusual, unusual skin blemish from which all witches, and frankly, most people, are characterized to have. Meaning, the test was that the tit would be pricked with a needle, and if the recipient didn't bleed or feel it, then surely there was a witch in our midst. Oftentimes, the needles would be purposely blunted, so as to not cause the woman to bleed, which would obviously not show how cold or unfeeling that the tit really was. Now, I've long heard this, and I knew that I'd heard that it was used in the trials. I had figured that it was a bunch of perverted old men wanting to use this as an excuse to grope some young women. So I had always figured that the majority of the people doing the accusing was a bunch of perverted old men. 
No, it turns out that it's a group of young 12 to 20-year-old women. Right. Jealous, angry. Usually accusing other women. The vast majority Jealous, were women. angry. <laughs> I, it's hard to argue with that when you begin to look. We talked about that test. Let's go through some of the other tests sure. that were determined, that were used to determine guilt or innocence. Let's see how many we could pass, Brett. <laughs> Spectral evidence. This type of evidence is based on claims by accusers when they said that they could see the individual accused of witchcraft in dreams doing the devil's work. So in other <laughs> words, I said, you know what? I had a dream last night that Sarah Jane was doing the devil's work. Sarah Legit. Jane's a witch. So we wouldn't pass that test because we know Jerry dreams of us most nights. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Without fail. So we're, we're already 0 for there 1. You go. You're screwing it up already. <laughs> Number two, eyewitness testimonials. Now, not surprisingly, some witnesses would confess to actually seeing the alleged witches practicing their black magic, which was enough to tattoo guilt all over them. Of course, that was absol- there was absolutely nothing to stop accusers from making up stories. Now, to be honest, that had really hasn't changed from then till now. No, that, that's possibility. There are laws now. against using that as as proof. <laughs> but because for one that. person, if it's just he said, she said. Right. But even today, if you get three or four people that are going to testify consistently against you, you're probably in trouble. Yeah, and I, I'll give you one example. So Sarah Good, she was the one who was very poor at the time. So she, but was, she was not Dorothy's mother, correct? N- Dorothy's mother was Dorcas, I thought maybe. I could be wrong. No, I believe she was Dorothy's mother. Okay, maybe. Go ahead. It, it's really irrelevant. Go ahead. You know, that's one of those commercials, just to intersect for a second. Have you seen those commercials about how not to act like your parents and putting in, in impertinent facts is one of those things? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You may be right on that. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But so she was she was seen leaving the um, leaving the Paris's house, so the Reverend's house. Uh, after what she said, she was just going to, you know, ask for money, which she said the Paris's gave her money and she was muttering, or she was saying, thank you. And she left. Well, a lot of people saw her leave. They were saying she was muttering some sort of witch, you know, witchcraft, some sort of spell as she was leaving. Yeah. And they used that against her uh, in the trial. But anyways, go ahead. Another test. Now we're really going to be in trouble here. They had a test called the Lord's Prayer Test. It was a literal test of faith. The accused would be made to recite the Lord's Prayer without error. This included stumbling, stammering, or outright going into fits or spasms. Now, for those of you that have listened to our podcast, even just a few minutes, you know that we can't go more than a few sentences without (laughs) stammering, stammering, screwing up something. You just did. We would have about three times. Three times in one sentence I did. Yeah, can you say Catholicism for me, please? (laughs) Catholicism? I don't know that I've ever had a problem with that word until last week. How about the word specific? That's definitely part of their test. Specific? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of words. Can you imagine if you stumbled, if you stammered, during reciting the Lord's Prayer. Being what? already nervous, like being in front sure. of this whole trial. <laughs> of a Not only being on trial, knowing if you're found guilty, you're going to die. Yeah. Touch test. This one's all about the performance. If an afflicted, this is going back to what you're talking about. If an afflicted person, a person that was saying that they had had a spell cast on them, is in the middle of throwing a fit, and they suddenly become calm after the accused person places their hand on them then the toucher is most certainly a witch. 
that is said to be so because all the venom and assorted evil toxins that had originally afflicted the person has now returned to their evil host. So again, there was a lot of people at the time who thought these, some of these girls at least, were, were putting on a show. And suddenly when this person that they'd accused of being a witch touched them, they would stop. Yeah. Pretty good way to prove someone guilty. And I, I, you might have suspicions. You might wonder, but how can you prove that they're faking this? Another one, forced confession by dunking. Those who didn't admit to being a witch or under heavy suspicion were usually induced to confess by way of torture. One method was dunking in which the accused would be held underwater repeatedly until they were su- successfully broken down. Yeah, I screwed that one up too. I'm definitely a witch. <laughs> what does that remind you of? Monty Python. No, forced confession by dunking into water. Is that not waterboard torture? Yeah. I, you know, we're doing it during the Gulf War. Apparently it's, it was going, it was alive and well back during the Salem witch trials. Here's another one. My favorite. But this one, how could you dispute this one? It's called bound submersion. The alleged would simply be bound at their hands and feet. Heavy rocks would be attached to them, and they would be thrown into a body of water. If the body floated to the surface, that was proof that they were a witch. On the other hand, if that didn't happen, and they sunk and drowned, that was proof they were innocent. So sorry we had to kill you to prove it, but <laughs> At least you're innocent. innocent. Yeah. No, and if anybody's ever swam with a weight without their hands and feet being bound, it's, it's very difficult. <laughs> this is... Literally, and every one of these came from a, uh, let me scroll back up, listverse.com. I'll post a link to it. The title of their article was 10 Tests for Guilt Used at the Salem Witch Trials. This is the way that we were proving whether or not someone was awake. So you guys tell me, this is the way that we got evidence and proved innocence or guilt. Was um, it fair? Well, I mean... We do waterboard. They say they don't, but we Depended on how good-looking the woman was whose tits they wanted to see if it was cold or not. <laughs> I guess. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Th- there's some huge flaws here. There, there was another one uh, I don't think you mentioned was the they would look for unique moles and birthmarks. On which the I, tits? Which I, which is, oh, on the body in general. Okay. Which Anywhere. at the time was associated with the devil's influence Representing the devil drinking their blood. Yeah, that was their... But if you had a mole, you're in trouble. Don't most people have birthmarks? Yes. Birthmarks, moles? It, yeah. There, yeah, there, the, the investigations were not very good. Well, again, you know, we're, we're making fun and thinking about how bad this is. And, and I just played devil's advocate for a second. They didn't really have the best of... Knowledge, right? They didn't have you two to be Did like, you hey. need the best of knowledge to know that tying rocks to them, <laughs> and if they floated, you killed them. If they sunk and drowned, sorry. Do you really need to no, be a genius that, to figure not, out this is That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking blame. about the, the birthmarks okay. and the, the moles and stuff. They didn't know that most people had those. And if they did and they had one themselves, you know damn well they were covering it up. So Until someone accused them and they had to yeah. destroy them. Right. Yeah. How scary would that be if you were a person, especially a woman living in that time frame, to just not piss somebody off? Yeah. 
I know. Because that's what it comes down to. You know, part of the reason they thought that women were more susceptible to witchcraft than men, women were less strong, less physically capable of fighting off whatever, which led them to believe they were the weaker sex, not only physically, but mentally as well. Well, And spiritually. You know, with Adam and Eve, they were, you know, Eve was a little bit easier to get Women have never been forgiven for that? Right. One of these days... I want you to remind me of that because I got a story about this Eve. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, I'll, I'll continue with the kind of close it all up. So, one of the accused husbands objected uh, to the trials. He was arrested. They also began arresting and examining other family members of the accused. Um, some began confessing and naming additional accomplices. So, you kind of see how this just gets out of hand. It's kind of a snowball effect. And when the court of Oyer and Terminer convened at the end of May in 1692, so this was you know five months into this, they uh, they had orders to prosecute those who were in jail. So at the time they had 62 people in custody. This was in May. So the first that was executed, her name was Bridget Bishop. Uh, she she wore black clothing and costumes, which was against the Puritan code at the time, and she she was also accused of bewitching the five young women that, who had. Uh, um, who had shown these symptoms. In the trial testimonies, uh, it was said that the bishop would pinch, choke, or bite these girls. Um, she was also said to dye lace, which was claimed to be too small to be used on anything but a poppet, which is, I guess, those what we would consider a voodoo doll. Uh, a jury of women also said that she had a third nipple, which was a sure sign of witchcraft. But upon a second inspection... Could not be found. <laughs> so wow. she was she was executed by hanging in June on June tenth of sixteen ninety two. One of my favorite parts of the movie, uh, what was the movie? Name of the movie? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Where he goes to Mars? Oh. Oh. Schwarzenegger going to Mars? I don't remember that. Yes. Like Total Recall. Total Recall. Okay. I don't remember that. Oh, you have to look at it. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, but. Anyway. If you're if you are listening to the podcast and you remember that part in Total Recall that <laughs> I'm talking about, send us an email. <laughs> Just so they know I'm not crazy. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Um so on July nineteenth of sixteen ninety two, Sarah Good, along with four others, were found guilty and hanged. And these uh executions continued throughout the year. Uh one uh, important guy that I want to mention was Giles Corey. So he refused to plead at trial after being accused, um, and in September of 1692 was killed by uh, a form of torture, which the subject was pressed beneath an increasingly heavy load of stones. So he ended up was he ended up being killed by by that. Uh, and it, so when things started to turn around, October 29th, 1692, they the new governor of New England. Uh, was had finally arrived, Governor Phipps, and he gave the order to dem- dismiss the court of Oyer and Terminer after his wife had been accused. And after this, no more executions took place. However, all of those accused had remained in, in jail, had remained in custody. January of 1693, so a year after all this had started, this new superior court of judicature convened in Salem, and charges were dismissed against all but three but after a warrant of execution was written for them, Governor Phipps issues pardons, which spared their lives. Um, 
In May, they held a variety of grand juries and all were found not guilty, putting an end to the trials. So one thing I wanted to talk about kind of to close everything up is just looking back on these Salem witch trials and seeing how it's affected, how it affected the, the Constitution of the United States, how it affects, you know, the, the freedoms that we that we're lucky to have in the United States. So a couple of things the Salem witch trials led to was legal representation. So here in America, we're all um, we all have the right to legal representation in court. Uh, it also led to cross-examination of accusers. And then it also led to the presumption that one is innocent until proven guilty. Uh, one more thing that it kind of led to was separation of church and state. So, um, again, the Salem witch trials were very influential to, to America. I guess one thing I wanted to ask you all is, after hearing all this, you know, obviously we look back on it in America, it's a very embarrassing set of events that that's happened in our history but do you think that there's a possibility that there is some truth that there maybe absolutely. was witchcraft in absolutely. Salem absolutely very small percentage but was there not only then today there's right. probably some witchcraft going on in Lawrenceburg Kentucky right you know I just think there was now do I think it was responsible for a lot of deaths and was it, did these people need to be killed? No. Did this four-year-old girl need to be thrown in prison? No. And I think, but was there a, a back, was I, there a factual reason I, behind this? Probably somewhere. I'll take it a step further. I think that if you looked really deep and really hard, that some of our very earliest apocatheries came from people who practice witchcraft. Apocatheries meaning Yeah, what? meaning the first people that use plants to treat people. To well, you got to possibly last last week or the couple weeks ago when you talked about voodoo, right? Yeah, they were healers. I just I just feel like, and I agree a hundred percent. I think that there probably was a chance it spun way out of control. It was a humans and people. First of all, our country has a lot of blights, and if you look at our country as a person, it's gone through its trials and tribulations of getting older, getting better, getting more mature, um, you know, witchcraft, slavery. These are all huge negatives, black eyes on, on, our, on, on our way Country's of life history. in America. Yeah. yeah. But coming through them, overcoming them, those are things that make us better. Yeah, it, it, it allows for us to be more free. It allows for us to improve. And it's probably not politically correct to say this, but in America's defense, at the time when it began, slavery existed in basically every country in the world. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. you, you can't, if you, it, you're. And it wasn't just one correct. race. We were wrong to do it. I'm not trying yeah. to say that we were right in any way. I'm simply saying it was a worldwide problem. It was Absolutely. not an American right. problem. And it's. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's still a problem in some countries. Sure. Well, a, a and it's of, a huge problem when it comes to our children, yeah. which, yep. you know. The African slaves that we that came to America were enslaved by Africans. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, they were enslaved and sold, and, yeah, enslaved and sold and by... Slaves. One thing we learned about voodoo is it originated by slaves that were sold in Haiti and Cuba and right. the areas down there. Again, a worldwide problem. But they come from Africa and were taken to sure. Haiti. Yeah, sure. you, you probably said that. I just yeah. misunderstood you, I'm sure. So... Um, but yes, I agree. I think that it was probably had something, or just hear me out for a second. 
as is the world today, you had Sally Joe over on the hill that lived in the house by herself, and that was so uncommon because she didn't have a man. So grandma gets sick, it has to be Sally Joe's fault. Right. You know, it, it We've it always has to be, distrusted those right. who are different. Different anyway. or, or look different or sound different or talk different or dress different. And it does seem like the initial women who were accused, they all had some sort of reason to be an outcast in, right, the, in the, right. the society that they had. And, you know, it's really, like you say, it's really sad. This whole episode, 200 people accused. 20, you know, how many ever died? Yeah, around 30, yeah. But what did it? What, what did we grow from that? We I, grew a legal system that is unsurpassed right. in the rest of the world. You know, the very foundings of that. Yeah. So that's what I, that's why I kind of, you know, I feel like it's, Part of our nation's growth spurts or growing pains. Yeah. But hey, guys, I I, I know we're. Are you, are, did, did anyone want to add to that? I'm good. I got. I just got some good news, and I wanted to share it with you guys because y'all haven't heard it yet. And I want to share it with the world. First of all, um, how many people? Now, there, I, there is a reason for me to ask this question. Um, there's a reason I ask this question. The question is, how many people in India do you think listen to podcasts every year? In I India? No in idea. India is one of the fastest growing It's one of the most densely populated countries. It is the densest yeah. populated China. country. One of them just recently passed the other one. I thought it was India China. just passed China. Okay. So, so out of all the Indians, a hundred and by the end of this year, a hundred and seventy-two point eight million people are going to be listening to podcasts in India. Why is that important? Ask me, Brett. Say, Brett, Steve. Why is that important? Why is that important, Steve? Because in India, and we don't do a lot of numbers or tooting our own horn here, but I want to—I've got to toot our own horn. One hundred and seventy-two million people—that's half of America's population—is going right. to listen to podcasts in India. In the true crime section of or, no, I'm sorry. Um, in let me look. I'm sorry. I don't want to get this wrong, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, of that in India, we have attained a rank of we're under ten thousand. That's our overall number. Oh, wow. However, in global reach, so the entire globe, forty million plus podcast. Okay, it's a lot. In the sector of true crime, globally, we are at 858. We are under 1,000 globally. I think we all deserve our salaries to be doubled. (laughs) (laughs) Here, here. (laughs) So I just wanted to bring those. You know, we don't toot our own norm. We don't do a lot. But if you're under 1,000 in any category with 40 million podcasts, that's phenomenal. Yeah, but guys, we're under we're in the top one thousand in two different categories. It's amazing, and I just you know it and you're doing all of that despite me being on here. <laughs> well, I think it's all Brett. Who would have thunk it? You yeah. hear that? We'll Hello, Fresh, Manscaped. Yeah, Hello Fresh. We're looking at you, kid. <laughs> hey, and two of us here actually actively use Hello Fresh. <laughs> I use it, and I know Jerry yeah. does. We both love the recipe. So, <laughs> hello, fresh. We're looking at you. <laughs> Very uh, true, guys. Appreciate the show, Brett. 
Thank kudos on here. all the amazing info. That was that was a lot of fun. An amazing job. It, it was very a very sad time. You yeah. know how scary just to be an average citizen, not to be associated with the clergy, right? Just to be somebody trying to make ends meet, and there you are. <laughs> oh, you're a witch? No, I'm not. You say you are. And really, some of them, we know it happened due to absolutely nothing they did, but because someone just didn't like, didn't like something about the part. They were the single lady on the yeah. hill or whatever. It's different. Insane. Now, this episode is November 1st, and I, I feel like we need to, we, we've done a lot of spooky stuff throughout Halloween. I can't wait to start going into some cryptid stuff and some more conspiracy theories. And, and just, oh, I'm excited some for this upcoming beans. year. What? And some scary beans. Oh, beans. I was <laughs> like, I thought you were saying beans. I'm like, <laughs> I was scary. I was like what the hell's scary about beans? <laughs> Doing a show on jumping beans or whatever they're called. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, beans. <laughs> so, anyway, I, if you listen to our podcast, like, share, post, tell your friends, we appreciate it. Our growth is there. I'm stoked by that. You know, thanks to all of you. Yeah, and we do. You do that because of you, Jerry. How can they reach us if they want to chit chat? If they want some business cards, we'll be happy to mail you to mail you some at no cost. We want to just spread and grow and get better. So how how can they reach out to us? Our email address is newsworthy with Stephen Jerry at gmail.com. Awesome, man! That episode is really interesting. And if you'll stick around for us for just a few commercials, we have another great story to tell you. Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. MLS ID 448908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. If you want us to review or rate your product on air, if you have suggestions for new episodes, awesome ghost stories, or anything else, please reach out to us. Our email address is newsworthywithstephenjerry at gmail.com. Our text number is area code 540-709-1318. And now, back to the story. The Claudius Sanders Dinner House. Colonel Sanders may have sold out his fried chicken empire, even his name and his likeness in 1964, but he was no dummy. He'd already been laying the groundwork for Sanders 2.0 by way of his wife, Claudia. Guys, just so you know, if you ever want to be the youngest person in the room, regardless of how old you are, go visit Claudia Sanders' dinner house. Unable to use his own name anymore, he quickly rolled out a new restaurant in Shelbyville, Kentucky, marketed under her name, and the Claudia Sanders' dinner house was born. 
And with all due respect to our friends at Yum Brands, the current marketers of KFC, the franchise is still doing a fantastic job. But it must be said that the chicken of today isn't necessarily the same formula it was way back in the 1950s. Claudia Sanders' chicken still has that good old-fashioned taste with all seven secret herbs and spices, and it's still finger-licking good. If you have the opportunity and the chance, stop by Shelbyville, Kentucky, and eat at the Claudia Sanders Dinner House. Yum, yum. And Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light.